Hello, and welcome to this edition of People in Transition. I'm your host, Bob Gerst. I've been hiring and mentoring executives, frontline employees, and job seekers for nearly 40 years through a host of transitions, some difficult, but most very good. This experience has given me a bird's eye view on a variety of trends, economies, industry disruptors, and transitions, big and small. It also brought me into contact with the thought leaders and decision makers you need to meet. Imagine knowing exactly what to do next and how to know it's time to make your big job change. We all know transitions can be scary, but it doesn't have to be. And it's even fun when you have actionable strategies and proven tactics to achieve the future you want. We'll share with you the tools and skills that can take your dreams to your next great job. So if change is on your horizon, you won't want to miss this discussion. Also, please subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. Lamar Bergman, thank you so much for being with us on this episode of People in Transition. I'm really excited about our conversation today and getting to know you better. Hi, Bob. It's a pleasure being here today. Thank you for having me. Lamar, when you were a child, what did you have as your plan to do when you grew up? I was fantasizing about becoming an archaeologist, actually. Um, I was watching Indiana Jones movies, and I loved Indiana Jones, and I thought, wow, that would be so exciting being an archaeologist. And what were the transition moments that you went through as you saw yourself as a young child wanting to be an archaeologist to where you're at today? I don't remember at what, at what point I, I realized that being an archaeologist is not as the movies. <laughs> it's hard work, not very rewarding financially. Uh, but I, I realized in high school that I wanted to study computer science, and that's what I did after the military service. I think the biggest transition I made was transitioning from being a director of engineering to being an executive coach, which is what I do today. I completely changed everything I was doing, basically from being employed to having my own business from running engineering organizations to supporting women in leadership positions. And Lamar, I'm sure that one of the things that you had to do as you were making the transitions is to learn to be an effective networker. How do you coach people to be that effective networker? And let's put a added wrinkle onto this, networking when you're an introvert. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, it really depends on the person and where they are at and what they want to achieve. I recommend several things. First of all, be present on social media. I mostly recommend LinkedIn because that's the place to be if you are looking for professional network. Be present. Not just have a stellar profile, but also um, join groups, comment to, to people, post that you like at your own perspective and reach out to people. Try to connect without any hidden interest or any sales, uh, you know, um, objective just for connection. I also recommend people to join whatever they feel 
comfortable with, whether it's an online event or community or just doing one-on-one networking. I actually started using in, in June 2020 a platform called Lunch Club, which is a one-on-one networking with an AI-based software that matches you to someone in the other side of the world. And... That's great for introverts. Where do you find Launch Club? Yeah, it's called Lunch Club. And it's just an app that I can download. Yes, it's an app. It's a, uh, I use it mostly on the web. I can send you the link uh, so you can share. And it's really good for introverts because it matches you with one person at a time. And you have a casual 45-minute conversation. So it's not as intimidating as going to an event with a large audience. One of the things, Lamar, that I've heard about networking, that it's important you give more than you receive. What does that mean to you in the networking context? What it means to me is basically giving value. As I said, uh, when you reach out to people, don't come with a hidden agenda. Rather than just be curious to meet someone else and help them. Help can be as small as connecting them to someone in your network, referring them to a position at your company or maybe another company, giving them support, advice, whatever. And I practice this daily. Basically, I started my own podcast from a woman to a leader where I try to bring women in tech leadership to help other women. And I post on LinkedIn, always thinking about what value can I bring. And when people reach out to me on LinkedIn or on my website, my response is typically, hi, I would love to connect with you and hear how can I help you. And I don't mean how can I sell you something? Really genuine interest in them and how can I help them? Is looking for a job in 2023 different since we've just come out of three years of pandemic? Do you look for a job somehow differently? I don't know uh, if it's dramatically different. I think it's all about who you know and how they can help you. I can share that when I was looking for a job at December 2010, when I moved to the U.S., and I didn't know anyone, I try to find people to connect with. Back then, it was like meeting recruiters for coffee. But now it can be something virtual, like meeting virtually, meeting people. It's much, much better to have someone refer you than to apply. When you apply, everything is fully automated. And I think maybe what is uh, evolving in 2023 is technology and AI and how your resume when you apply is being processed and what's the chances that you are going to be contacted if you apply online. So I highly recommend being referred than applying. And it doesn't have to be someone who knows you very well. It can be just someone you networked with and is willing to help you. And obviously, uh, post-pandemic, most of the interviews are now virtual. So you have to be, I guess, comfortable with interviewing via Zoom or whatever technology the company is using. Demore, how important is to brand yourself on LinkedIn? And what does a LinkedIn brand even mean? 
That's a great question. I think it really depends what you're trying to achieve uh, if you are a job seeker or a business owner. So if I'm talking about a job seeker, you want to brand yourself as someone that is desirable in the market, someone that is an expert in whatever your field is. So potential employers will find you and will want to talk with you because your profile will deliver the message that you are an expert, that you know your craft, that they should reach out and talk with you. So a brand would be that someone lands on your profile and usually people don't spend more than a few seconds. And after a few seconds of looking on your profile, a recruiter or a hiring manager will want to reach out to you and talk to you. You've talked to me before about five tips for branding yourself on LinkedIn. Can you share those with us? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, when you go to your profile, there are five very simple things you can do. First of all is your profile URL. By default, LinkedIn creates a URL that is somehow cumbersome, a combination of your name and some random numbers and letters, I recommend changing it to either just your name or some title or a combination, which makes it much easier for you to share your URL with others. You know, if you meet someone at a virtual coffee or at a conference, you can just say, hey, look for me and this is my URL. So for me, for example, I would say, yeah, go to LinkedIn and type in more Bergman and you'll find me. So that's the first tip. The second, I would say, make sure your profile picture is relatively recent, not more than one or two years ago. So when people actually connect with you and meet with you, you don't seem completely different. Make sure you smile and you look approachable. Actually, recently I found out of a software that allows you to ask people for feedback on a picture and say if you look professional, if you look likable and so forth. And it's great. And you can test different pictures of yourself. And I can send you that link as well. I think it's called photo filler or something like that. I can look it up and send it to you. The third would be your background picture with, uh, I think nowadays more people use it than before. Highly, highly recommend of utilizing that real estate. Put a picture that reflect who you are. You can use software like Canva very easily to create a compelling background picture. You can put keywords, uh, you know, let's say you are someone technical, you can put different logos of technologies you, you're familiar with, or you can put just your name, your profession, whatever you think is relevant because pictures that grabs attention. So when someone looks at your profile, they see your background picture and they can relate and understand who you are. That's much, much better than any text you can write. The next tip would be about your headline. Most people get it wrong and just don't change it. So LinkedIn by default, just change the headline to your recent title and the company you work for. So let's say I work as a software engineer at Google. It will be software engineer at Google. However, you have around, I think, a 250 car characters you can use in your headline and you should use your headline to put keywords and description of who you are, what you're capable of doing. That's a great 
place to describe who you are, what you're capable for, what skills you have, so people can find you and can understand better of your capabilities. And the last tip would be your about section. Very important. The about section is to tell a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you're passionate about, what you're doing, why you're doing what you're doing and what you're looking for. So people can relate to you as a person and connect with you. Limar, I heard the other day job seekers should have a personal marketing plan. What would that be all about? I think it will be how you want to brand yourself. How would you like to be perceived? And based on that, plan how you're going to get there. So for example, let's say I'm a software engineer and I want eventually to transition either to a different technology or I want to progress my career or maybe I want to move to product or I just want to stay, whatever that may be. I want to brand myself as a subject matter expert in my field. So a marketing plan would be, okay, customizing my LinkedIn profile, looking for relevant jobs and seeing what kind of skills and capabilities employers are looking for and adjusting my profile accordingly. It could be thinking about posts, about content, what is relevant content that people are looking for in my industry and creating a plan for what kind of post I am going to publish in the coming months or so. And it could be who are the relevant influencers in my field that I want to follow and follow them and then comment on relevant content that they publish that I can relate to. So those are the things to me, you know, if someone wants to create a marketing plan for themselves. Imar, how do you know when it's the right time to make a change in your job? I think it's a combination. First of all, it's where you're at, at your current job. If you feel like you have no room for growth, or maybe you're just completely demoralized, maybe you dread Monday mornings and you don't want to start the week. So those could be signs that maybe it's about time to change and you try different strategies. Maybe you try to advance your career at the specific company. Maybe you try to move to a different team or what have you, and it didn't work for you. The second would be the market. So depending on the market situation, you need to consider whether that's the right timing for you or not. And I can share that many women I work with, even women that eventually want to switch a job, some of them take a decision, a conscious decision not to do it right now, just because where the market is at and that many companies are reducing their workforce. So people are afraid that if they will move to a different employer, they may find themselves without a job after a while. So Also looking at the market and considering whether the timing is right for you. And the next one will be, you know, based on your passion and interest and what you want to become. Uh, Maybe you're at a specific company and you like what you do, but you want to evolve eventually to doing something different. Maybe you want to work in a different sector, on different products, evolve into a different role. It really depends. And that may be the right timing for you after you feel like you have got to the maximum you can at your current role. Maybe that's time to do something different. Some may have to move to find a new job. You've moved various states and even countries. What have you learned by moving around like that? And what are some of the things to keep in mind when you do move because of your job? 
It gets easier after you do it once. So when I moved to the US in December 2010, it was after I worked at the same company for 10 years and I've never lived anywhere else other than Israel. So the first time I moved was difficult because I moved countries and I had to find a different job after many years at the same employer. But after I switched the job once and I made this dramatic change, Moving to the next job was very easy for me because I just got used to change. And then I moved to another employer and then I moved states because after I moved countries, moving states within the U.S. was not as dramatic. So I think just when you practice change and when you get yourself outside of comfort zone, it gets easier every time. And I know that you have children. How do they practice change when mom has to change states or change countries? Well, they adjust. They have four children and they moved quite a bit. They moved from Israel to the U.S. Within the U.S., they moved several schools. My oldest actually moved seven schools. It's not always easy, but at least they practice being resilient and being adaptive to change. So I think it gives them tools for life so they know it's possible to make changes and to move, and they are capable of getting used to it. Imar, can you share some tips that you've learned about making a career progression and career transitions? Some tips about career progression. So it's it's a, a big question. I think about career progression, I would start with that. First of all, know what you want, and then Try to assess where you're at. So if you want to progress your career at the same employer, you need to understand what the next level looks like and what are the gaps. Ask for feedback from your manager and understand what are the things that you are expected to do or achieve in order to move to the next level. And if you want to progress outside your company, then look for different job posts and see what other companies are looking for, what kind of skills they're looking for, and where you are at. And what are the gaps between where you're at today to where you want to go? And how can you bridge those gaps? Maybe it's going and learning something, reading books, going to trainings, going to conferences, maybe experimenting, maybe volunteering in some place, just continuing learning and growing. Like I got to where I am today because I was willing to say yes, I was willing to take risks, and I was willing to get myself continuously out of my comfort zone. So I think those are kind of the most important things, continuous learning and getting out of your comfort zone. Lamar, how can a job search partner help support you in your transition? Being there for you when it's tough, when you have failures, when you face rejections, because being a job seeker is hard. It can be a roller coaster And you need to be able to face rejections and not reflect that on yourself and on your self-worth. And your partner can be there for you in those hard moments and support you and encourage you. Any suggestions on how you can find a job search partner? So either it's your close family, you know, maybe your partner, if you have a partner for life, um, or it can be maybe someone who is in a similar position or recently moved and know what it feels like 
or you can network and find, you know, a, a group of people that are in similar situations that are looking for jobs. So you can network with them and you can kind of uh, share experiences. Amar, do you think that ageism exists in the market for job seekers? And if so, is there any way to combat against it? Uh, I'm sure there is. I mean, in Israel, I can tell you for sure there is ageism. How to fight for it, I don't know. I mean, in the U.S., it's it may be easier because it's not allowed to discriminate someone based on their age. And typically, people don't ask you how old you are. I mean, they can maybe see if they interview you. Just focus on skills, experience, and think about, okay, if I am older, what kind of value do I bring based on all the years of experience and, and try to emphasize those values. Try to think, what do I bring that is so valuable to employers that someone that is younger than me don't have because they didn't have those experiences? Find your competitive advantage. Amari, you mentioned earlier AI. How might a job seeker run into AI? What should they know about it as a tool that employers, hiring managers are using? I don't know how employers are using it. I mean, I assume AI is used for resume processing. Uh, but other than that, AI is a great tool for you. You can use it to create your LinkedIn profile. You can use it for creating content. You can use it for adjusting your resume for pretty much everything. I use ChatGPT on a daily basis for pretty much everything. It's a great tool. So definitely AI is there for you to support you. Lamar, are there any books or other resources that you would recommend to our listeners that would help them in their job transition? I don't have a specific book on job transition. I, I have a book I like to recommend from Robin Sharma called The Leader Who Had No Title. It's a great book that basically show how every person, no matter what role you do, can be a leader and exercise leadership. And I don't have a specific recommendation for job seekers for, for books, unfortunately. Just I haven't, don't recall reading one specifically. Lamar, as we wrap up here today, what are the three things that you would like to have our listeners take away from our discussion today? I think I would say for job seekers, networking is key. So find ways to network, whatever makes you comfortable, whether it's like virtually, one-on-one, -on -one, some virtual events, whatever. Continue networking. Uh, be present on social media. So post, try to post or comment to other people post on LinkedIn. And don't give up and find a partner, as, as you mentioned, Bob. Find a partner in your job-seeking journey that can support you and lift you up when it's hard. Limor, when we first connected, I knew that this was going to be an information-packed discussion. You gave so many useful tips and techniques. I want to thank you for your time and for supporting people who are in transition. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. We're working in unprecedented times. The purpose of these episodes is to give you the support and critical tools to adjust with the changing marketplace. I'll continue to introduce you to guests who have successfully survived their own obstacle course and can share useful information. If today's message was helpful to you, 
please share it on your social media. Your review and rating helps get this to more people. Also, if you have questions or podcast ideas for future conversations, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Change is constant. The more prepared you are for it, the better and easier the change will occur. Thank you again. This is your host, Bob Gerst. See you at our next episode.